truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy, what is today? Thursday. That's right. It's Thursday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here, not knowing what day it is, because in the midst of wintry desolation, they just sort of depressingly run together. Totters and Aaron McIntyre, how are you guys doing, though? Right? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, you guys are looking this really was, white. I'm liking this winter. We differ on this. This is the first time we actually got white winter, man. I know you're post-Christmas, it doesn't count, but... Post-Christmas, it's not winter. And we're back in mid-30s. It's just, it's just desolation. We had like four days of freezing cold. Now it's mid-30s. We're good. Please please stop trying to find something positive. It's annoying. 888-933-93 is the number. 888-933-93. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program for today's Theology Thursday. I had something else in mind, and then I received an email from a listener. And I just decided, you know what, Eureka, this is... I don't think he realizes it, and most people would not on the surface, but he's, but he's really asking me a theological question. And we are going to apply Theology Thursday to an area we typically don't, but it most certainly applies nevertheless. That's coming up in the next hour of the show. You can also like us on Facebook, should Facebook permit that. Odds are they won't. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, and the last name if you are. Uh, audio only today or podcast only, D-E-A-C-E. Coming up, I already mentioned Theology Thursday, three non-political questions. At the bottom of the hour, we will have a very special guest, um, a non-binary being who requires no introduction to many of you, will be joining us at the bottom of the hour, and I'm just going to leave it there. I think that's an adequate tweet, adequate, adequate tease, don't you? Yeah. Because you know who it is. You booked it, right? I did. Yeah. I think you'd be fine with that. Do you think they Don't would be okay? Misgender. Yeah, that, it, it, Todd. Yes, that violates our terms of service around here. You think they'd be okay uh, being identified as a non-binary being of significance? Well, based on the reason we're having they, they or him on here or whatever, <laughs> um, I think this is it. It is okay. We're teeing it up for for it them. for them. This is hard. Yeah, I. Yeah, we're too old. Yeah, I pucker right. up when it comes yeah, to this. I, 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 I can't, I and I won't. I, I don't blame you. Before we get to all of that, though, and Todd uh, works uh, and figures out pronouns, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the March for Life. President Trump announced that he'll be attending this year's March for Life in Washington, D.C. The march is slated for tomorrow. He'll be the first ever sitting president to attend the march in person. Yesterday was the 47th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. The Chinese government has placed three of its cities on lockdown after cases of a deadly disease called the Wuhan coronavirus have infected as many as 600 people. But the fact three large cities are on lockdown probably means it's a lot worse. Flights out of Wuhan, China, and two other cities have been grounded. Cases have also been confirmed in Japan, Taiwan, the U.S., South Korea, and Thailand. Back on the campaign trail, Mike Bloomberg seems to be coming into his own. And while lots of high-speed rail projects have been proposed, we will focus on what we can complete. So we will commit to finishing at least one high-speed rail corridor by 2025. 
Thank you. Andrew Yang is throwing axes. Elizabeth Warren was confronted in Iowa about her plan to erase student debt. In case you couldn't hear that, I'll narrate. The man says, quote, my daughter is in school. I saved all my money just to pay student loans. Can I have my money back? Warren responds, quote, of course not. The man then replies, so you want to help those who don't save any money and the ones that do the right thing get screwed? He says that as Elizabeth Warren looks on, laughing at him. Joe Biden snapped at CBS correspondent Ed O'Keefe. Well, yesterday, yesterday you said you accepted Bernie's apology and now you're attacking him. Why are you doing that? Why wasn't his apology enough, Mr. Vice President? Why, why attack Sanders? Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. Calm down. It's okay. He apologized for saying that I was corrupt. He didn't say anything about whether or not I was telling the truth about Social Security. Thank you, guys. Today on Journalism is Magical and Not at All Broken, Cho Lockhart, CNN political analyst who was reporting on yesterday's Senate trial for the impeachment of Donald Trump, said, quote, overheard convo between two Republican senators who only watch Fox News. Is this stuff real? They said, I haven't heard any of this before. I thought it was all about a server. If half the stuff Schiff is saying is true, we're up Bleeps Creek. I hope the White House has exculpatory evidence. He followed that tweet with this one, quote, okay, maybe I made up that convo, but you know, that's exactly what they're thinking, end quote. The U.S. is endeavoring to impose visa restrictions for pregnant women. The measure is aimed to help curb the so-called birth tourism practice, which allows people from other countries to have children here so they can receive a U.S. passport. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweets, Pregnant women. This administration is now targeting pregnant women. When you single out the most vulnerable, the cruelty is the point. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, Men can get pregnant too, AOC. Los hombres también pueden quedar embarazadas, AOC. And finally, quite possibly the best video that's ever been made. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Credit Repair, who wants you to be cautious uh, when relying on free credit score websites. Case in point, uh, this couple wanted to refi their home, so they got their free credit score online, and it looked okay, but when they applied for that loan, uh, the broker checked thoroughly, and their credit score was 40 points worse than what had been reported on the website, thus they were rejected. But if they had started with creditrepair.com instead, they'd have received a free credit evaluation from an actual human being. In minutes, and their creditrepair.com advisor would have shared their actual credit score and a report summary for free. He would have pointed out the inaccurate and unfair items that are hurting their credit, maybe even if they wanted the service, uh, giving them some ways that could work with them to fix those errors as well. So if you're thinking about buying a car, refinancing your home, applying for any credit at all, call creditrepair.com first. Get your free credit score and report plus smart advice from actual humans on how you can improve both by calling 800-551-9835, 800-551-9835. 
800-551-9835. Not available in all states, including Georgia, Mississippi, Ohio, Oregon, and South Carolina. You can also just go to creditrepair.com as well. We're going to be talking about uh, the president's speech at the March for Life tomorrow in the overtime today. What is it you expect and or want to hear the president say? That's going to be our overtime topic today. So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, nothing to do but sit there and wait for us to tape it and load it up to the website. For the rest of you, if you'd like to see that today and or any of the other exclusive content we do every day, the whole team here at Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is how you can get a discounted subscription right now. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. How about, though, quickly, gentlemen, that, as I point out in my most recent book, Truth Bombs, and I walk the audience through the the history with, you know, like the, the data and stuff of where the Republican Party was pro, uh, pro Roe, v, Roe, v, Roe v. Wade and where it has been after Roe v. Wade. And that essentially the pro-life vote has been the number one driver of the Republican Party. It's most loyal voting block now for going on a fifth decade. And I'm... I think he's not the first Republican president, right? He's he's since 1973. Correct. There have been others, right? There have. There have. Okay. How about the fact that this is your number one voting block? Number one in terms of both size, numbers, and conviction. Like, can you imagine a single Democratic candidate if the if the human rights campaign had a trans madness march in D.C.? Can you imagine a single Democratic candidate for president would not show up? Candidate, no. No, no absolutely not. not. Can you imagine a Democratic president wouldn't show up? They would be far more, far at least more one likely time. to. Maybe not every year, but at least one time while they were oh, in you, office? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How about the fact that this has been, how many, what do you think the pro-life vote is in relationship to the trans, uh, mad, training madness vote? Slightly more. Slightly more. How about the fact we're going on five decades here and this is the first time a Republican president has spoken in person live. This to is this why. This is why event. we. This is. I mean, and and the the guy who is going to be the first president, first Republican president, or any president to speak at this event is Mister Grabbin by the hoo ha. This is why we have President Trump because generations of Republicans didn't want to get their hands dirty. Didn't that was kind of icky. Um, that's that's why we have President. That's why we have uh, uh, President mm-hmm. Trump. This is why. This is why the establishment of of the Republican Party is so loathed, or at least it should be uh, anymore. But that's that's why we have President Trump because of years of inaction. This is also why my upcoming analysis is very torn and somewhat heartbroken. Um, we don't have a lot of these left in the culture, so when we when we get one out in the wild, we want to point it out. But for those wondering, what is a man? What's a dude? The dad who walks up to Elizabeth Warren and says, hey, wait a minute here. The fact that we saved and, and paid out of pocket for our kid to go to school, can I get reimbursed for that? Well, no. So then you, you want to reward the people who borrowed from other folks? They get their college for free. But those of us who actually paid for it, that did the, the earning around here, we, we don't. That's an example of something we've talked about on this show for years. There aren't any good arguments for this stuff. There's there's none. That's why all the arguments are emotional. None of these, none, none. And and take it from the show that's 
always warning you not to create straw men of your opposition. Okay, not to not to take them uh, too unseriously, but you can't take them too seriously either, right? Like we, if you know, when you hear a coach say, "Well, we can't," you know, we got to play a perfect game to beat that. There's no such thing as a perfect game. Humans are involved. There's going to be errors. So either that's coach speak, or if you're a fan of that team, pray tell he's not saying that to his team. Guys, if we don't play a perfect game, we can't win because there's no such thing as a perfect game. Right? Everybody's going to make mistakes. They're going to blow assignments, drop balls. It's human. It's human behavior. We're imperfect vessels. All right. So don't take your, don't don't build this up. On the other hand, like I'm afraid to engage when when people in my sphere of influence spout these talking points off. I'm afraid to engage because maybe they have thought about because this defies common sense. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they've thought of something I don't know. They haven't. Take it from the guy that did MSNBC about 50 some odd times from 2011 to 2018. I've heard it all. Nope. And, and, I, and one of the reasons why I, I went in to originally do those appearances is I wanted to see, am I missing something? Can, it can't be this, I didn't say easy, simple. It can't be this simple. Now, reining in our unrestrained nature is not easy. That's why we need uh, the laws of nature and nature's God, God around here. That's why our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Reining in our nature is not, is not easy, all right? But deducing what motivates human nature is pretty simple. Craven instinct, desire, opportunism, that's what motivates human nature when it's unrestrained. That's why all that, that's, folks, they didn't lead with, if you disagree with me, you're automatically a racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic bigot. They didn't lead with that because they were saving the really deep intellectual arguments for later once you got through that, right? Like they didn't put the alligators in the moat because once you swam through there, you were going to really run in to some stalwart defense once you got to the castle. That, that's, that's, that's not how this works. Okay? You, put, you put the alligators in the moat because that is your defense of the castle. <laughs> okay? Not, there's not... <laughs> behind the alligators is not streams of cannons you didn't, that are camouflaged. They're just going to bring out. They're not, you put alligators in a moat not to lure people into a trap but to deter them from testing you. That's why you put the alligators there. See where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Similarly, the reason why you're automatically a racist, misogynist, xenophobic, homophobic bigot is to deter you from engaging them on this level. Not because there's another defense right around the corner. This is a deterrent. In the hopes that you will say, boy, I just, I, I, I don't know what'll happen if you call me those names again. I, I don't know what'll happen again if, if, Buttigieg 69 me, rips me on Twitter one more time. I, if he calls me an, a homophobe, I, I'm going to seriously start questioning where I'm at with my life choices. Or if Aunt Petunia that I haven't seen, you know, since, wait, I have an Aunt Petunia, um, uh, th- that she's on my Facebook spewing her nonsense in my comments on my Facebook page again. I, whatever will I do? That's the, that's the point of all this. That's, that's the point of all. That's why when Ricky Gervais, the prophet of this age, confronted them on this. They, there was nothing to do but the, but the murmuring, the, the Tom Hanks, no, we didn't look. There was no, there's, there's no comeback. 
that it, you have to stop the show. Get them off script. Yes. That's why it's better off that they're probably over there in Senate impeachment than boots on the ground. Because th- when it's this level of you have to go in and see them in the whites of their eyes. They're, 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 I mean, listen, they don't believe in the everyman. They don't believe in the regular person. They are uh, about ultimately defying the will of that person. So Elizabeth Warren wants no part of regularly engaging in anything resembling a conversation like this no and i can promise you when that conversation ended she she may have smiled while the camera was on her when she got backstage whoever that staffer was she uh she gave that guy yeah yeah, she gave them the fortnight didn't she grabbed them a beer so you could break the bottle over their skull for exposing her to that that's why they only hang in enclaves where they only hear their own opinions it's why they seek to censor your And my opinion, the point of political correctness in the first place was to avoid the risk of losing a substantive argument. That's why it's there. It's the alligators in the moat. It's 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 to stop you from testing the defenses of the castle by thinking, wow, I can't possibly get past those alligators. All right. That's the whole point of this. All right. Is the is the assumption that you operate on the same emotion they do, that your feelings get hurt just as easily as they do and and that you need to belong to the group and you need to feel like you belong and you can't handle being ostracized or scarlet lettered every bit as much as they're driven by that level of id. That's the whole point of this. And when a guy just walks up there and says, F that noise, dude, I'm a dude. I, I, I you know, I work 97 hours a week to save from my kid to go to college and you're telling me I did that for nothing that I, we could have just gone to the Caribbean or Disney world every year, gotten a student loan and you would have just had had the head pawn those costs off on somebody else. Hell no. Hell no. You want to know why your daughters are losing track meets to guys? Because where's that guy at at the track meet at the school board meeting? That's, that's right. why, that's why that's my we're point. not a nation of laws and we never have been. We're a nation of political will and we always will be. You want to know why Donald Trump's the first damn president, Republican president, to show up in person to the largest protest march that happens to be the biggest base of the Republican Party? Because you didn't demand it. Because you didn't demand it. Because you settled for nothing in table scraps. That's why. Well, this guy is purely transactional. He knows, and it's no coincidence. He he could have he's he notice he's escalated this the first year he mentioned it on cable news. The next year he 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 sent him a video messaged. The next year he did a he 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 sent them something live, but from the White House. Have you noticed the escalation here? Because whatever you think of the guy, he's transactional. He understands I wouldn't be where I'm at with the without those people that are marching over there. And so little by little, he's giving he's giving you a little bit more in return for putting him where he's at. That's the way this process works. Not, oh, this is from God's own heaven is this Republican candidate. And, and can I possibly you know, turn myself into their mascot? Hell no. He's your employee. Treat him accordingly. Treat him accordingly. If you're a believer and you own a business, do you let your employees walk all over you? Or do you, man, they do their damn jobs? What is it? You wouldn't stay in business very long if you didn't. We take our theology real serious around here. Aaron decides he doesn't want to do the work. I'm going to introduce you to not Aaron as the producer tomorrow. I promise you. And he knows that too. And so does Todd. Nothing personal. But you agree to do the job, and I need somebody to do it. Which brings us to something I want to update you guys on. So, 
it's been, uh, what, 11 days since, or 10 days since we did a town hall on this show about an overture I received from CNN. And I didn't know what it was. Didn't get into any specifics. We were going to have a meeting the next day. And opinions in this audience were really split. And even in my emails, I mean, it was right down the middle. Don't care what they, don't, do not tarnish yourself by doing anything for them. To, man, we could really use a voice like yours on a platform like that. I mean, it was right down the middle. This was as divisive as, as anything we've probably thrown out to the audience in terms of, when I say divisive, not necessarily nasty. How about split? Maybe we'll go with that word. The opinion on this was as split as about anything we've talked about on this show in several years, frankly. And um, we had the meeting the next day on a Tuesday. Aaron, you were at the meeting. Correct. Okay. Two editor or two producers for CNN came here. I'm not sure what the other one is a producer of, but the, the main one who did most of the speaking, she was the producer of CNN Digital. And... Uh, she grew up in a family where her mom is a very conservative Jew, her dad very liberal. Um, she's anxious in getting more conservative viewpoints. Uh, she's known Bibi Netanyahu for years, considers herself pro-Israel. She runs the op-ed page at CNN. Last year, correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong or missing any, sure. mis- missing out on anything, Aaron. Last year, I think she said the top three columns they had at CNN.com were all conservative columns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're looking for a uh, a main conservative voice on their op-ed page. Is that do I have that right? Yep. And that's what they were looking for. And we had they were here for probably what ninety minutes, two hours. Yeah, it was about an hour and a half. And yeah. we discussed the election and Iowa, their channel. Um, your overall impressions of the conversation, uh, in terms of the temperament. Was it productive on any level, et cetera? I, from their perspective, it was a lot of, or from what I heard from the main producer who was here, it was, you know what? Um, yes, there's this, the, very honest about the perception of CNN, but uh, we're different over on the digital side, and uh, I want to buy the world the Coke for, for better, for lack of better words. You know, um, the, it, it was a lot of, I, I've heard this before from my friends, uh, somewhat uh, of myself as well, trying to woo somebody to do a job or to do something uh, by promising the world to them or promising what, uh, what they think you want. You know, that happens quite a bit in recruiting in, in recruiting processes, at least from anecdotal experience from several of my friends and some uh, personally, not talking about this job, but... Um, it sounded a whole lot like that. And so I was pretty, pretty unmoved by the whole, by the whole conversation. That was my, that was my main takeaway. Just a lot of platitudes, I thought, uh, coming, coming from this producer. So the way we left it is, um, and I won't go into too many specifics, but you were there. I was, I was fairly blunt. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was polite, yeah. no, but I was fairly blunt. Mm-hmm. What, the, what, what, my audience, what a good segment of my audience's impression is of those three letters, period, in any form, um, I shared that. And that I've had, I've had numerous offers like this 
local and national. We could really use a, and then and and then nothing ever happens. And maybe they even mean it at, or at, at first. I, I have no idea. Okay. Well, it's been ten days. The way it was left is, you send me a proposal. I'll show it to my team here and get their opinion of it, and then I'll find out, um, you know, if the Blazes has any major objections to it. That's even if we decide we want to do it before I would even discuss it with them. I mean, there's no point discussing something with the Blaze if, if I'm like, it, it's, I'm not interested. It's not worth my time. It has been 10 days. I have heard nothing back. Of course. Of course. And, and that's why you've not been invited into this conversation, Todd, until I said that. And now you are. So the floor is yours. We are back where you talked about Elizabeth Warren. There are no good arguments. They know. This is not the first time. They know that uh, when they have conservative content on there, it does well. It, they don't need to come in and here to talk to Steve to understand that. They, they, they would be able to act himself if it's just about viewership clicks yo they would ha- they wouldn't just have don lemon and um whoever else is on there uh, anderson cooper and company they would ga- go way bigger than just one columnist on cnn digital this is a whether it's steve or anybody else of course steve could hit a home run with the column but this is small potatoes they're still trying to just get enough of a fig leaf to show that they're trying if they really wanted to do this for a business reason and or an ideological reason they would have done it and it wouldn't have taken this visit to do it it's a lie it's a scam they have no good arguments about it and this is again about ignoring their script we are not a role in their passion play. It is time we force mm. them to be uh, to play a role in ours because ours is true. Ours sells. There's again zero good arguments on their side. They just come in here with their smugness and their condescension, and uh, it's they leave here realizing they have no more hands to play. And so none are played. So I wasn't there. I went exactly as I figured it would go with Steve um, because this is not my first rodeo in this regard. I know who these people are. They're not serious. And I mean, I one thing I did, stre- looking back on it now, you know, it would be funny as if tomorrow, like they send me some kind of glowing proposal after we did this. I just don't anticipate that happening. Uh, but um, one of the things I mentioned to them that at the time I thought was rather innocuous, but now that it's been 10 days with no reply maybe it maybe it wasn't after all maybe it was the poison pill i just didn't realize it which was you know i pointed out in truth bombs i i mentioned there was a producer i didn't tell you the network it was cnn i'll tell you now it was a cnn producer for their for their shows who multiple times tried to book me in the last couple of years and then ultimately when my take did not conform to the script of what they wanted on the show that night that's just flat out true and he told me on a couple of occasions, hey, we're looking for sides, not opinions. Those were his words. We're looking for sides, not opinions. We're doing pro wrestling here, okay? So we need you to play the heel, basically. Um, and I just don't need their attention or whatever, you know, uh, peanuts they want to pay for something like that. To, you know, I'm, I'm not a wind-up doll. I'm not doing that. And um, I said to them, well, I would really be interested in talking issues. I, I don't really care about writing. I'm, I'm not here to defend Trump or write about him all the time. I'm, I'd be far more interested in talking about issues. I mean, and, and they're like, which one's the number one issue? And I said, immigration, it's not even close. Number one issue. 
number one issue driving the argument right now, everywhere. And I look back on it now and um, you think that was the poison pill right there? Oh, I think there was probably more than one, but yeah, of course that's one. I mean, that, that, then we... What, they, what do you think they thought they were going to get when they came in here to, to our hangout to talk to me? What did you think they were going to get? I think what they What do get, you think they thought they were going to yeah, get? Yeah, I think they think, because they do get on a regular basis from conservatives, they get a- Love a, me, like me, give me a platform. Yes, yes. I yes. was I, going to say Take that- Take me seriously. Yeah. Yes, and people who they can see, they know enough, they see the look in their eyes, I've been discovered. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is wonderful. It's my time. Yeah. Now, listen, we want our time too. Sure. But I don't want I'm it. Not, for I'm the ambitious. Warm, I'm not doing this to talk to nobody. I don't want it, I, the money too, but yeah. I don't want it for the warm fuzzies. I get my warm fuzzies elsewhere, a lot of different places, and it's not from producers and editors in public media. You agree with that, Aaron? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I, I totally believe that they thought that they were going to get. Just somebody. Um, uh, please stroke my ego. Uh, this is so exciting for me. When can I start? Essentially, interesting. Well, they did bring in a massive cinnamon roll from a restaurant, local restaurant that I recommended for them, and I took that home to the kids, and they enjoyed it. So I got that out of it. I got some daddy points out of it. Well, that's made to be the closest way to get you to sell out. They gave you sweets. That's well played. <laughs> Not during. You know, if they would have came in here after my thirty post uh, annual post Christmas thirty day sugar fast, that they might have had me with that. They might have had me. All right, but. This is the wrong month to try that on me. We'll come back. A very special guest you don't want to miss out on is next. reality check how many of you have made a new year's resolution to change your diet and lose weight how is that going so far chances are you're having a lot of trouble fighting those cravings but there is a solution riduzone developed by doctors and backed by two u.s patents riduzone is the only fda accepted product that includes oea the natural occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your caloric intake and riduzone makes it easy to resist those cravings that can ruin your resolve face it dieting alone is just too hard Make it easier and easier to keep your resolution and get your weight under control with Riduzone. It's exclusively available right now at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. Use my name, Steve, as the promo code there. Get 65% off, 65% off. And here's another great selling point other than that discount, which is tremendous. When you get a bottle of Riduzone, turn over the bottle to the label. Look at the ingredients and you're not going to see 47 things you cannot pronounce. It's not loaded with additives, preservatives, uh, any of that stuff. Fillers, stimulants, caffeine, none of it. That's why it's FDA accepted, vegan friendly and gluten free. All right. So give it a shot. Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve to get 65% off. We have a momentous guest with us today, a uh, non-binary being uh, joining us now as we speak. Mm-hmm. And he is—he only goes by his first name, and it's—and and when you're Prince or Gaga or Madonna, um, you get people don't need to know your last name, especially when after all these years, not a damn person knows how to pronounce it. So he's just Stu, the Stu, 
and he's here with us today on the Steve Day Show. How are you, brother? Wow, uh, wonderful intro. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Does that does that have you fired up for what the next ten minutes of your life are going to be like? It does. It does. I'm very excited, and by the end, you'll know how to pronounce the first syllable of my name. <laughs> So you've got a new show starting here. Let's get that out of the way right now. Otherwise, you mm-hmm. wouldn't come down here and commiserate with the little people, right? I'll come on whenever, whenever you have time for me. So yeah, they, you let me know. They, they, that's that's what they all say. But uh, you're you're here because you've got a new thing started. Uh, that's getting ready to get started here on Blaze TV, and the title. I'm having some throwbacks now to some some Beavis and Butthead. You're not going around the country. You're not doing any body cavity searches or anything of that nature, mm-hmm. are you? <laughs> No, no, I don't, I don't plan on doing that, although that's a, a high-quality uh, documentary that uh, many people should go see. Be Indeed. Head to America. Very highbrow, uh, in fact, yes. Yes, very highbrow. Uh, very, very, it's a travel. It was a, one of the first travel reality shows, I feel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you had Beavis and Butthead do America, uh, and then before that, Debbie does Dallas. So I'm in a nice sort of, like, uh, <laughs> line of porn and cartoons and then my show. I think it's going to work well. When's it debut? Uh, February 4th, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern here on The Blaze, uh, Blaze TV, uh, and YouTube, and kind of anywhere you want uh, to go see it, which is one of the great parts about this show, and that I, you know, I've done shows here before, but they've always been kind of behind our little, uh, our little fancy paywall. If you happen to be a subscriber, you may have seen, you know, Wonderful World of Stew. This one's going to be a little bit different in that it's going to be every night, so we're going to be able to react to kind of the news rather than having to plan the show out weeks in advance as a kind of a weekly show with lots of production. So I think it's going to be fun. I mean, you, you know, jumping in the middle of this news cycle, there's always a million things to talk about, that's for sure. Well, give us a little sample of what we're going to see starting February 4th. Let's start with the impeachment. And um, I'm not covering it. I, I haven't watched any of it. I'm not even, like, doing what I do as a dad at home where I'm, I'm kind of cheating while investing in the family, but I've at least got Twitter as my, as my uh, you know, LexisNexis aggregator to, you know, with one eye on that to kind of keep me updated on stuff. So I'm still doing show prep and I'm ready to go the next day. I'm, I'm not even doing that. I'm like, I, ha- I, I don't, I don't care. And am, am I a terrible host, Stu? Um, you are not a terrible host. I think a lot of America is in that exact same boat. I mean, we're watching, uh, you know, a game that we already know the result of uh, with almost complete certainty that this is a, a partisan impeachment in the House and he's going to be acquitted in the Senate and then we're all going to supposedly move on with our lives as, as if nothing happened. I mean, the one thing I think is kind of interesting here about it from, from a larger perspective, and I know you're always the best guy on, on election stuff and we have you on every week on radio uh, as we're leading up to Iowa because of it, but it's like, this has never been tested before in, in, in U.S. history. There's never been an impeachment before the guy went into an election. Um, so we don't have really any idea how this is going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Is it going to affect voters in a way where they say, you know, look, Trump uh, is a bad guy. He got impeached. And that impeachment sort of brand is going to hang on to him through the election, which I think is what the Democrats are trying to do here. Or is it the opposite, which I kind of think is more likely, where people look at this as completely partisan, completely unfair um, to the president, whether he did something, you know, uh, wrong or not, it obviously doesn't lead uh, to the level of impeachment. Um, so maybe there's a, a pushback the other way, and he actually becomes a little bit more popular. Now, look, as you know, uh, elections still a long way away, but this is something kind of interesting in American history. You know, it's it's unique. We've never seen this happen in a first term. We've never seen this leading into that uh, next uh, election, and. 
I'm kind of interested just to see how that plays out outside of the impeachment. Um, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch in the middle of the election. Let's let's um, let's do more cowbell with what you just said. Let's throw another shrimp on the barbie here. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow we wake up, all right, and there's news that not to be morbid, but we're living in an era where every time this woman sneezes or shows up at the ER for falling and not being able to get up with her life alert. Lefty Twitter is literally um, playing Imagine on loop and in, and, and in candlelight vigil praying to Gaia, please make Ruth Bader Ginsburg rise again, right? I mean, that is what goes on every time, like most 80-year-old people, she gets sick a lot, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say we were to wake up, though, tomorrow and find out that suddenly her vacancy needs to be filled on the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm. What would, with all this going on, what, would, what do you think that ingredient would do to the recipe. Oh, I mean, you. I mean, you want to talk about uh, passions being turned up even higher than they are now. I mean, I, there's very few things I think that could actually do that in this scenario. It seems like everybody's always on an 11. Um, but if we can get past the 11, I think that would do it. I mean, it, it, you certainly would see a really strong um, uh, outpouring of, uh, I think, passion and, and energy from Republican side. You know, I think traditionally Republicans uh, care more about the Supreme Court uh, and are more motivated to vote because of the Supreme Court. But in this case, first, Ruth Bader Ginsburg isn't just a, a liberal Supreme Court justice. She's their rock star, right? Like, she is their, she's mm-hmm. their name brand. Um, we love, I mean, she is the notorious RBG. She is, they're making movies and documentaries about her all the time. She's their star. So her going away would really panic the left, especially because, you know, in their eyes, uh, the, the two uh, Supreme Court justices, uh, you know, going in under Trump were total disasters. Kavanaugh, obviously, as was deeply proven, uh, all those incredible accusations against him, uh, they would, that would freak them out. And, you know, the, it's, it's interesting because you have the normal left, who I think largely is aligned around, you know, Biden or one of the more, more quote unquote, moderate alternatives. But this, the Sanders grouping right now is really interesting. You talked about this on radio, I think it was last week. You know, they're going into a caucus situation in Iowa. They can win that state. They can win in New Hampshire, obviously, right next door uh, for Bernie Sanders. Uh, then you're on a winning streak. New, uh, Nevada's very gettable. And if you win the first three states, you've got a path here. If that stuff starts to happen, and I think something like what you're talking about uh, uh, in unfortunate circumstances, it, you know, would certainly light a fuse like that. You know, he could run the table. Um, with relative uh, ease if he starts winning those elections and that sort of uh, energy gets into the Democratic uh, base. I mean, we don't want that to happen for a, a bunch of reasons. But, I mean, electorally, that is a, that's, a, that's a scary scenario. And when, once he is in there, um, you know, you wonder, does Bloomberg have an opportunity last minute to jump in? Because if, you know, if the Democrats see Sanders, Bloomberg, there's a lot of people who don't want Sanders. Um, but, you know, Trump is going to have a real argument to say, like, you want Bernie Sanders in here naming justices? Can you imagine uh, the, the, you know, the, the passion on the right in a moment like that? I, it's, it would be incalculable. Let's go back to the impeachment for a second and look at it from the, uh, the Trump presidency point of view. And he's talked, you know, maybe I'll testify, maybe I won't. Now, now him showing up would cause me to, obviously, this is the president of the United States coming to his own defense in the first person at an impeachment, you know, C-SPAN wasn't around for old Andrew Johnson. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm, we're obviously would cover something like that. Mm -hmm. If, if I were, if, 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 if I were his political director and if I worked in the white house 
this is the advice, and I'm dead serious with what I'm about to say. I'm, I'm, it's only maybe a, a morsel of tongue in cheek. Okay, maybe I'm I'm putting a little mustard on the hot dog, but I really believe <laughs> fundamentally what I'm about to tell you. I would tell him to do. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, the night before watch Al Pacino in Injustice for All, right? Mm-hmm. And and you show up and and you turn and the next morning you turn that thing into the courtroom scene at the end of that movie where he starts mm-hmm. busting out Polaroids of corrupt officials with prostitutes. You show up with a binder. And, and a big, thick binder. And we're going to put on the binder, Epstein travel log. <laughs> and you're going to slam it on the desk. And you're going to say, hey, I'm here to testify, beginning with where were all of you spending your nights? All right? Mm. Where, where you were gonna, you're going to bullworth this entire process, okay? And, and, just, and, and just urinate in the Cheerios of everybody there. Uh, because the, whether you're guilty of anything or not, th- all of the people that are up there wanting to hold you accountable for something have done far worse to the American people than whatatever the hell you, are, you, you, whatever you tried to strong arm um, a country most people can't spot on a map, all right? And you turn this thing, you turn tables on them and turn this thing into a civic reckoning. And if you do that, you're going to win 40 states in November. That's the advice I would give him. Mm, I mean, it's good advice. I mean, I think, you know, uh, we just found out that was it Ghislaine uh, Maxwell's emails were apparently hacked. Uh, so maybe he'll have some extra information on that one. Um, you know, it's funny because it's a uh, that is, I think, what people like about Trump. You know, I mean, that is what they like. They like him just shaking it up and just bowling through people and, 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 and not being afraid of those types of moments. Right. That's a moment that would, I think, unite uh, the American people in a large way, because if there are one thing, you know, we see polls all the time. I mean, it's everything split 50 50, you know, maybe 45, 55 on most big issues. When it comes to approval of Congress, the nation's not split. They might hate them for different reasons, but they all hate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being able to kind of point that out and say, you guys, we've we've seen what you've been doing over the past 20, 30 years. Uh, that's the reason he's sitting in the White House in the first place. And now you're going to try to remove the guy who's calling that out. I mean, that, that's a much bigger disruption to our uh, electoral process, to our, to our institutions, than anything Trump could have done on a phone call with Ukraine. Uh, you know, trying to overturn uh, an election on these t- types of issues uh, would really, um, I think, put the American people in a position where they really would thirst for a moment like that. And of course, obviously, if they actually have Epstein's travel logs and those people are in there, uh, you know, they probably deserve it, too. Last thing, give us a taste of the sort of subject matter that may come up on your new show that if, if all you do is, is, is try to watch cable news panels to get informed, um, you're, you're, probably not, no, you're probably not informed on this, but you need to be. Well, you know, I, I feel like I'm, uh, we have a, an, in, an interesting role here at The Blaze where we kind of have voices from all sides as far as the conservative spectrum goes. And you have people who do great analysis and who can make you laugh. And I think we need more of that, right? I can, you know, someone pointed out uh, the tagline of the show should be smart analysis, stupid laughs, which I kind of, <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was an insult or not. Um, it's better than s- stupid analysis and smart laughs right. probably, but not by much. Um, you know, and we've already like, got you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in Congress, but I'm bummed. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. No, that's, this, is what, this is the sort of stuff we need. We need to be able to look at this stuff and be able to pick it apart and then laugh at it as well. Because, you know, we need to be able to, uh, I think, to get through the day, 
uh, we need to be able to, to uh, actually mock this stuff. And you know, it, conservatism is going to be a movement and not just a cool way to turn off attractive 25-year-olds. We need to have uh, <laughs> some sort of ability to talk about this stuff without people, you know, wanting to hang themselves. So we're going to try to do that every night, and and you know, like we, we've been able to kind of go down this road for a, a long time, and we have a great audience, you know, great audience at the Blaze, and it's going to be fun to be able to react to this stuff uh, every day and and go down this road. Uh, it's every night at 7 p.m., and you can watch all the uh, all the shows on YouTube or get them all wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, StuDoesAmerica.com is where all the links are, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to have you on, Steve. You're going to come on and tell us all about the elections. We've already booked you. You don't know it yet, but we've booked you. I I appreciate that. Well, you know, have your people talk to my people. You know, there's a considerable bureaucracy insulating me from people like you. So uh, good luck trying to get through that. Thank (laughs) you, Stu. Good to see you, man. Good luck on the new show. Thanks, Steve. All right, take care. Guys, uh, thoughts on what Stu had to say both about uh, the impeachment and uh, the new show he's got debuting here on Blaze TV. Well, he gets it uh, there at the end, the, the need to laugh. I mean, we certainly do that here cynically, stupidly. Uh, but really, the, there's been the notion in the past on the, the left that everybody uh, in the in that journalism world uh, takes their cues from the gray old lady, the New York Times, and it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Well, to his point, I mean, really, everybody in our industry on some level should be taking their cues from the Babylon Bee. That's what he's getting there. I mean, it's it's short, it's tight, it's concise, it's deadly, it's undeniably true, it's hilarious, and that's what Stu seems to be bringing to the table. Aaron? Agreed. That's where I was going to go as well. I mean, you, you, you can't do this and take it seriously all the time because nothing is seriously. So what happens when you start taking things that are not serious seriously you end up uh, you end up painting your face like a clown and uh, and doing some bad things. I mean, that's you eventually end up inside madness, inside the mind of madness when you start taking unserious things really, really seriously. Mm-hmm. So you have to la- laugh at everything. I mean, uh, channeling the Joker once more. I used to think I used to think politics was a tragedy. Now I just see it's a comedy. Uh, you, you have mm. to be able to look at it like that. And I think uh, I think based on some of the promotional materials that I've seen for Stu Does America, I think uh, I think he gets that. And I think it is going to be a good uh, a good show and another hit here on the Blaze. Hey, all of you that are listening or watching right now at this very moment, uh, you're probably paying too much. If you aren't using Patriot Mobile for your mobile phone, and that's not even the worst part. Did you know the major cell phone carriers donate millions to left-wing causes, open borders, uh, baby killing, laws that attack your Second Amendment rights, etc. Patriot Mobile, though, doesn't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. Literally, they'll be joining the over 600,000 pro-lifers. Uh, tomorrow at the annual, the 47th annual March for Life in Washington, D.C., and you're not going to see Verizon and AT&T there, all right? So they've got plans starting as low as $25 a month as well with unlimited talk. They've got other plans that do that, text and reliable nationwide service with no hidden fees, too. It's easy to switch. You can even keep your number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one if you want. So what are you waiting for? Go to patriotmobile.com slash steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. When you use that offer code, you'll get a free month of service on any new line of service that you open up with Patriot Mobile. So a free month on any new line at patriotmobile.com slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or call their U.S.-based team at 877 877- 
We we can't always align economically uh, and purchase from people that agree with us. The, the, The market doesn't always provide that opportunity, but when it does, take advantage of it. All right, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, 877-367-7524. Okay, next hour, we're going to lead off with Theology Thursday. And I I got an email from a listener this morning. I I was going to do something else. I still may do it uh, as a series. I'm thinking about doing a series because I'm I'm taking this, um, I mentioned that that Amy and I are taking this Bible study class at church, and it actually is like really in-depth that you could like get seminary course credit for it if you finished it if you were like in a seminary and one of the things we do each week is we've got to write like a double-spaced multi-page paper on whatever we're and it's the this we're doing the new testament right now and i thought i would do a series each week on what i did my my thesis on for my bible study class and have that be the topic of the week for the theology thursday what do you guys think of that idea I'm all for it. I think that's a good idea. That's the one thing consistently over the last couple of years that we've heard from our audience is we want more theology. All right. So I was going to start that this week. Maybe I'll start it next week because um, I got an email this morning and I don't know what happened. Inspiration. I don't know. But Epiphany, something said, hey, this is your Theology Thursday. And it's not at first blush. This is not an email that would make you think this is a Theology Thursday topic, but it absolutely is. And we're going to get into that when we come back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron McIntyre here with us as well. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, by the way, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, thank you to the thousands of you that have done so. Please keep those coming. They definitely help us to get the word out and make it more likely we'll get to continue to uh, do this for a living because there's not much else. Well, I, I can't do much else. I don't know about Todd. Aaron's got some other skills that just probably wouldn't be as profitable. So this is definitely plan A, B, and C around here. So keep them coming, please, with those five-star reviews. Theology Thursday brought to you by CarShield. Cars today are like computers on wheels. From electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all this tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks. That's why you want to get CarShield. It has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair with your vehicle, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. CarShield coverage gets you back on track in no time, and they offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers. So drive with confidence, knowing you've got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. Whether you've got 5,000 miles or 150,000 invested into your vehicle, it's inevitable something will break. So don't wait until that check engine light comes on. Get covered by CarShield today. Call 800-CAR-6000. 800-CAR-6000 and mention code Steve. Or visit carshield.com and use code Steve. Either way, you'll get 10% off. That's carshield.com, code Steve. Carshield.com, 
code Steve. And keep in mind, depending on the plan you select, a deductible may apply. So Theology Thursday this week. Got an email this morning. And I don't know what it was. Inspiration, perspiration, uh, epiphany, eureka. Something told me this has to be, I had something else planned, but something told me that this had to be this week's Theology Thursday. Now, when I read this email asking me a question from a listener, on the surface, this would not be the kind of thing that would instantly make you just click, hey, that's a Theology Thursday topic, all right? This is from, I, I think it's Shatakian is how it's pronounced, David Shatakian, who writes, I'm really struggling with something, and I'm reaching out because I've always uh, liked you guys' uh, ability to reason and explain things. Recently, on an episode of, of a show called Planet Money, they described the carriage tax that was argued in favor of by Alexander Hamilton before the Supreme Court, which resulted in a tax on carriages, carriages owned in the country. And I've continued to research this because NPR is using this as an example to explain how a wealth tax would be constitutional. Everything I've come across, though, seems to agree with their point because it was a tax on already owned property. I hate the idea of this, but I can't seem to find any good arguments against it. Would you think that would be normally a Theology Thursday topic? No. 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 Because when we think of a Theology Thursday topic, we're thinking of something uh, about our vertical relationship with our Creator, right? Sure. Our horizontal relationship with one another. Um. How do I love my neighbor as I love myself? What are, what are the moral boundaries and where do they come from? And how do I know that those are the right ones? Right? I mean, those are, that's, those are typically the things we get into with a Theology Thursday. Yes. Not Alexander Hamilton's support of the carriage tax. Right? Were you reading this in the shower? Did, is this no. where you had your epiphany to I, I, This I, is where I, you I, often <laughs> get your ideas. <laughs> I was actually about to get into the shower and I saw this this morning. Uh, no. And I, I want to apply this to Theology Thursday. Because again, one of the canards I have confronted frequently in my career is this idea that there are moral and fiscal issues. There are only moral issues. Only. There's no issue that isn't moral. Well, Steve... You can't, you can't legislate morality. Well, I agree that you cannot legislate people into morality, per se. But morality is actually the only thing that you can legislate. Because every piece of legislation is saying, you can do something or you can't. Every piece of legislation is saying, you'll be penalized if you do this thing, or rewarded if you do it, or penalized if you won't, or rewarded if you won't. Now, since we're human beings and not dogs or animals, since we have souls, we operate, we we need more than a simple reward punishment system, right? Like the number one reason your dog loves you, number one, now I didn't say only, so save your emails, but the number one reason your dog loves you is you feed it. Number one reason. When we first purchased the dog now known as Captain America, that's what the kids named him when we got him eight years ago. 
or seven years ago and uh, for Zoe's birthday when she was eight. And the dog hated me. Um, there was an instance where Anna fell in the shower one day. And if I like came near the girls, you know, I'd go in at night to kiss them goodnight, say prayers and stuff. The dog would lose it. So we bought it from a rescue shelter. And I, we know that it had been abused in the previous home. So if I had to guess it was the dad in the previous home was not a good dude or whoever was the male figure was not good. Right. And maybe some, some things happened when he went into the rooms that weren't nice, maybe. Okay. So months went by, like there, there was one episode, I had some friends over, Anna fell in the shower and I ran upstairs. So he came down to get me, Anna's fallen, hurt her knee. She can't get out of the shower. So I had to go in there and, you know, carry her out of the shower. The dog's like losing his mind because I'm, I've got to invade this intimate space in order to go help my kid. Cause Amy was actually out that, that night. So it was me. And months and months, almost a year went by, the dog couldn't stand me. And we had dogs when I was growing up, and I was always really close to our dogs. Uh, the first one we had, I named him Roscoe, after Roscoe Pico Train on Dukes of Hazard. All right? Last dog we had uh, before I moved out of the house was Bo. Who do you think he was named after? Jackson? Schembechler. Schembechler. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was close to our dogs growing up. And uh, it was really crushing me that this dog, no matter what I did, I mean, I, I bought him out of the animal shelter. That came from the money I make. I'm the sole breadwinner in the house. I'm buying all the food, everything, right? And then I realized this is an animal. It operates primarily on a reward-based system. So I bought the, the most popular bacon treats at the store. And let's just say, within a few weeks, I went from persona non grata to if he could speak, I mean, he, he'd look at me like Jean-Luc Picard looked at William Riker. Number one. I was number one. You pumpkin spiced him. I did. I pumpkin spiced that thing. And now, and that, and that was five or six years ago, and we have been simpaticos ever since, man. He goes nuts when I come home. He flings himself at the door and everything else. It worked. All right? So we're not animals. We, we, we're, we're, we're more evolved and precious and... Uh, primary as beings on this planet than that. So we, we need more than just a simple, well, the government says it's bad to do this, so don't. We need more of an explanation because we have cognitive ability. We, we can reason. So it's not just as simple as if, if the government says this is okay, I will do it. Or if the government says not to do it, I won't. If you put some punishments in those sorts of things, you'll limit the amount of people who will do something, Right. Yes. Right. But murder has always been illegal, right? Yes. And it's always been punished by capital, by death or lifetime imprisonment, uh, you know, premeditated first degree murder since the dawn of this republic, correct? Sure. We, we, we still have murders though, right? Yes. Right. Many. So, so there's, there's only so far you can, uh, that, that, that system will go, that we have, people have to be reasoned with. They have to be uh, discipled. And in some cases they need to be regenerated, uh, well, in every case, we need to be regenerated to have a relationship with our creator, but to even understand why not to do basic things and become sociopaths, we require that as well, right? Right. All my dog needed were treats. If there were a such thing as fiscal issues only, that human morality or decision-making could be re- reduced to just nothing but pure transactionalism on even the most fundamental level, 
then we'd be like the dog, my dog, Cap, the Bichon with the traits. But we need more than that, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Which is why if, if we run out of traits and I don't, now here's the other part of it though. If we run out of treats and we don't have any for a while, the dog remembers the cabinet that the treats were kept in and he'll go over there and scratch it. Okay. As if a reminder, hey, I thought we had an arrangement here. <laughs> okay. I'm overlooking my past in order to be fed in here in the present and future. And, uh, you know, I'm cuddling up with you on the chair. You got to you gotta do your part here, old man. Where are my treats at? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're more complicated than that. That's why there's no such thing as fiscal issues and everything is a moral issue. Even this question about the carriage tax. And, and, and it comes here morally from two theological viewpoints. One is individual and then the other is philosophical. I want to start with the individual. The, the fact that they're promoting this as evidence of why the government can take something that doesn't belong to it away is indicative of low personal character. This is, this is scheming, plotting. These are, these are fiends. And I'll, and I'll explain why. Did we have the 16th Amendment when Alexander Hamilton was asking for a carriage tax? No. No, we didn't. So we had no federal income tax, right? Right. Right. When, when we established the federal income tax system, did we, what kind of a federal income tax did we establish? A progressive one. Meaning what? Well, in any tax system, for it to be just, the people who make more should pay more. Like in the Levitical tax system, or you can call it a tithe if you prefer, in the Levitical tax system in Israel, did the rich pay more? Yeah. Yeah, they, they paid more. I mean, everybody paid the same rate, right? 10%. Right. But, but if, you know, 10% of, what's more, 10% of a widow's mite or 10% of my plantation area estate? The plantation. Yeah, the plantation estate. So, so the rich paid more. To whom much is required, much is given, or much is expected, right? Yes. The rich paid more. But did we have, did, did, did the Levitical system say, because you have this, you have to tax or tithe 14%, 28%, 39%, and the widow only has to give one, or maybe she can get an earned income tax credit and pay nothing. Was, was that the system they had? No. No. That's the thing that they were actually frustrated by the Romans getting away with that kind of yes. haphazardness. Yes. Yet. Yeah, that was, that was, it wasn't just that, the, that, you know, Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, uh, you know, the, the, who wrote the first book of the, of the New Testament. It wasn't just that he was looked down upon because tax collectors were, you know, one for you, one for my pocket. It wasn't just that level, folks that level of, of corruption and pettiness was, was not unique even at first in the first century. We've been dealing with that since we, we, we've been east of Eden. That, that's the human condition. It's the fact that the system in and of itself was, was they viewed as immoral, as godless, okay? I mean, that's one of the reasons they brought Jesus a coin that said, hey, who's on this coin? Should we pay this tax? 
because they viewed the system itself as immoral because it did things like, well, the system we have now. That's what it did. Where they were taught, God is no respecter of persons. So yes, the rich pay more, but everybody pays their share. Everybody does. Everybody pays the same rate. So we've got a confiscatory tax scheme, progressive in nature. We did not have when Alexander Hamilton was arguing for the carriage tax. Now, I didn't have to Google anything. I didn't have to research anything. That's just common knowledge. This was passed in the 20th century. Alexander Hamilton did not live in the 20th century. So the the people that are using this as a line of reasoning are lying to you. Romans 1. These are people who delight in doing evil and encourage and or delight in creating new ways to do evil and encouraging others to do the same. The whole thing is a lie. That this you, you know why you're struggling against this argument, David. It's not an argument. It's a lie, David. This is a lie. He's accepting the wrong premise. Yes. What you're yep. It's a lie. You're not dealing with honest brokers. These are scoffers in the seats. They're not. They're not here. Um, they're not here because, well, you know, maybe you guys have a point with this whole Jesus thing. No, no, no. They're 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 here to debunk you, to kneecap you, to defeat you. The, the the reason why you can't come up with a serious argument against this is it's not a serious argument. We have a wealth tax now. It's it's called the progressive tax system. And last year, I think about the top 9% of earners paid 91% of the income tax in America or something like that. And that's just on a federal level. We're not even talking about the state income taxes and everything else. The, 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 the colonials were largely rebelling against what are called excise taxes, meaning taxes that are placed upon a product or a service that you use upon its use or a consumption tax, you prefer. You're paying all those too. Like every time you go to a gas pump, you purchase a firearm, you're paying all those excise consumption taxes too. On top of the wealth progressive income tax, you're already paying. So this, this, is a, this, this historical context from people who spend their days scheming and plotting in ways to unravel the Constitution, they're not now suddenly interested in going back into our founding and finding earnest examples to justify no, they want to defeat our founding. So right away, be very suspicious of any argumentation, any, any, any application or plea to history that they make. Be very skeptical. You're dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. This is the, this is the American Sanhedrin. And what was the Sanhedrin? Well, yeah, they were a theological body, but they were really a political, they were really a, a makeup of the two political parties. It was a bicameral legislature in many ways. The Sadducees would mirror a lot of our modern-day Democrats, and the Pharisees would mirror a lot of our modern-day Republicans. One group believing in really just purely a secular means to an end, and another one with a theistic view, but one that they most of them just wanted to use to warp into whatever they politically thought expedient at the time. That sound familiar to you at all? A little bit. A little bit, right. So, so this argument is a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a nothing. 
Paul would say to Timothy in one of his letters. This is avoid useless arguments and chatter and idleness about genealogies and other things that have no basis in, in the pursuit of real truth here whatsoever. These people aren't after the truth. They're after power. Power over you. That's what they're after. So the whole argument's a fallacy. They're arguing about a wealth tax. We have one. It's called the federal income tax. That's what it is. It's a wealth tax. And then, you know, we have marriage penalties, capital gains, taxes, inheritance taxes. What are all of those? Do you typically get, do you typically get better off financially getting married or worse off? Typically. Better. Better. That's why. And, and, and so we have a, we do what with that tax wise? We penalize it. What's a capital gains tax? A profit. So again, we're, we're taxing your wealth, your success. An inheritance, something that someone spent their lives making to pass on to you. Success. Wealth, we tax that. I just gave you three wealth taxes, not even counting the income tax. That entire argument's a lie. And we got we to gotta be more, we gotta, we, this is where we got to learn to be discerning on the fly because we're going to get more and more of this stuff. Particularly because a lot of us don't even know our own history or weren't really taught it. Like, I don't even know that Alexander Hamilton argued for a carriage tax. Your email was the first time I've ever heard of it. I didn't even need to know about any of it. I don't even know if that's even true. But it didn't stop me from completely deconstructing this entire fallacy, though, did it? (laughs) So I don't even know that that's... I'm going to grant that he did. I don't know that that's true. You ever heard of Alexander Hamilton and the carriage tax? I I have not. I know my my minutia and trivia. My wife likes to say I'm a fountain of absolutely useless knowledge. Right, But I didn't know a damn thing about Alexander Hamilton and the carriage tax. I think it's kind of like Ben Franklin and the uh, powdered wig tax. Yes, yeah, but but I don't need to know whether it's true or not. Because it's, it's specious regardless. We have a wealth tax. In fact, we got about 40 of them, actually. All kinds of wealth taxes. The whole system's a wealth tax. That's the whole point of it. I mean, that's the video we played at the top of the show where the dad walks up to Elizabeth Warren and says, wait a minute, I saved to send my kid to college and we paid out of pocket. Do I get my money back? She says, no. He's like, well, so, so, so the, 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 the folks who are borrowing and don't save, they get it for free, but the people who pay, they don't get reimbursed. She just, what's free college? And according to Elizabeth Warren, free college, another wealth tax. You not only pay for someone else to go, those of you who can pay to go, you pay for that too. You pay twice. You pay twice. Wealth tax. The whole thing is a wealth tax. Everything about it is. You know what you won't find anywhere in the scriptures? Anywhere. A wealth tax. Nowhere. Everybody paid the same rate. Everybody paid the same rate. That was God's tax plan. The wealthy pay more because they have more, but they're paying the same rate as everybody else. Why did God set that system up? Because what are, what's one of the commandments? Thou shall not covet. The idea that you are entitled to something that doesn't belong to you, whether it's a, it, it's a relationship or a resource or revenue. No, you're not. You're not entitled to anything that doesn't belong to you. Nothing. We agree the rich, the rich guy should pay more and he's going to because 10% of what he has is more than 10% of what you have. But we're not going to legislate jealousy. We're not going to do that. We're not going to affirm that as a, as a policy. So first of all, on a, on a personal level, you're dealing with liars. And their father is the father of lies on a personal level. The whole thing's a lie. Now on the philosophical level, why didn't we have an income tax until the 20th century? Well, because you, you come from a country that was largely inspired 
to founded, depending on how you want to look at it. I, I like to use the word inspired because that way I don't have to apologize for anybody's paradoxical or heterodoxical religious viewpoints of the era. Okay. Because, I mean, we, the colonies were largely charted by Christian churches, but the country wasn't charted, chartered specifically as a Christian nation per se, okay? So I like to use the term inspired. You live in a country inspired by a biblical worldview, a Judeo-Christian morality. And so the idea that the government could come in and take your first fruits would be to say that the government is a higher authority than whom? We the people. No God. Oh, well, certainly. Because who's, who, who, has, who has the claim of your first fruits? God, God does. So for the government to now come in and say, you know, we're going to take that off the top, and then, and then you give back to God, would be an assertion that the government is more powerful than God. And because, as you said, Todd, we the people, we reject that premise. We, we created the only governing document in human history, or the first one anyway. That began with the premise of limiting the authority of government, not by orchestrating its authority or expanding it. And so that, that's why we didn't have one. It was, it was, the church would have lost its mind. You know, the government can't tax you first before you give back to God. The government isn't God. I thought we had a revolution here. And, and oh, by the way, going back to the first century, well, well, Steve, it's Paul says in Romans to pay taxes. That's not fully what he says. You know, if you look at the, you know, does the Constitution say if you're born here, you're a citizen? Not fully. Subject to the jurisdiction thereof is a pretty key point. It, it's why, as I've pointed out before, if, a, if an ambassador's wife has a baby while she's here, that child is not an American citizen. He or she is a citizen of the country their father's an ambassador from. Why? Because the Constitution doesn't say whoever gets to come here and drops a kid is a citizen. It's not what it says. It says if you come here, if you're under the jurisdiction thereof, and that ambassador is not under the jurisdiction of the United States, that's also why you can't arrest him for petty theft or for traffic violations. He's not under the U.S. jurisdiction. He's under the jurisdiction of another government. So Paul doesn't just blanketly say, pay your taxes. That's not what he says. Pay taxes to those whom are due. Give on- yeah. Well, Steve, Paul said to honor the king. That's not what he said. Give honor. Same verse. It's right there in the same verse, guys. Right there in the same verse. verse thir- chapter 13 of Romans. Pay taxes to those whom are due, whom taxes are due. Give honor to those whom honor is due. If, if it was just a blanket, give the king honor, well, Paul would have bowed to Nero and not been beheaded. But he didn't give Nero the honor that Nero demanded. Why? Because Nero demanded an honor. He wasn't due. He is not Kaiser Curious. Caesar is Lord. No, you're not. You are mighty and powerful. I will obey your civic laws, but you are not God. I will not obey. I will not worship you. You will not have my faithful allegiance. Christos curious, Christ is Lord, not you. So it's not just a blanket statement to pay taxes no matter what, give honor no matter what. And that's not what Jesus said either. Render under Caesar that which is Caesar, render under God that which is God's. Are your ethics and moral and conscience rendered to the state or to God? Which is it? And so the idea 
until the 20th century, that the government would come along and say, it has a claim on your productivity before God. And you just take it right off the top. The church would have lost its mind in America over that the first hundred years or so of this republic. Lost its mind. No way. No way. You're not God. No way. And that's how, David, your email turned into a Theology Thursday. Your comments, gentlemen. You know, other than the last 20 minutes, it's a, it's a great argument otherwise uh, for, the wealth, for the wealth tax. But we do this, we do this all the time. And, and don't, don't fall for the banana and the tailpipe. Again, the theme of this year is assume you're being lied to. It should be very, very suspicious. I want to reiterate something uh, that was mentioned in passing. Any, any time. You should get your spidey senses tingling when any time before Woodrow Wilson, leftists want to use that as precedent for doing something that they want to do. All right. Uh, that's, that is, that, uh, that's a pretty good rule of thumb anyway. Preach. Um, that's, that's what they try to do all the time. They're retconning history. The same people on NPR trying to pass that off as some sort of valid argument are the same type, are educated by the same type of people who educated the two Bernie Sanders field organizers who was like, you know what, gulags weren't that bad. Those are the type of people you're dealing with. So your spidey senses should be going off uh, anytime, anytime they try to retcon history like that. Anytime before the, uh, anytime before the 20th century, uh, you should really be, uh, no. No. And you know what? Uh, as Steve said, it's the more you are, are, are confronted with that and faced with that, the faster you'll be able to think on your feet and, and come up for uh, defense. But again, these are all poopy arguments on their face and they should be treated as does. Yeah. If, 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 the, if when the people that are trying to smash the stained glass windows, as Todd likes to say, I love that expression. When the people that are trying to smash the stained glass window suddenly have a Bible verse for you. When the, when the people that are trying to shred the Constitution, like Hillary's emails, suddenly have a constitutional hermeneutic for you. When, when the people that are, are trying to iconoclastically deconstruct all of our history and, and hijack it from us and retcon it from us, as Aaron pointed out, suddenly now have a historical parallel that they think you might find interesting. The answer? Hell No. Because that's ex and start with the hell, because that's exactly where their doctrine is coming from, Todd. This was uh, very Dacian, and just if if that if people felt like oh that was some highbrow stuff, it is it actually was the exact opposite of that. And you saw me there twice uh, when he asked me do the rich pay poor. I was thinking for a second, was he talking about percentages or so? I was a little slow to answer percentages or a number. Um, uh, but what he's really doing is he's asking, if you're confused about anything in life, fiscal or otherwise, it, this was a what would Jesus do argument, which is the essence of all of uh, scripture and revelation to begin with. Put your hands in the hands of the Lord. I'll have one more final thing to say about this before we get to three non-political questions next. Stay tuned. <laughs> Don't let
let what happened to Deborah happen to you. Her home was stolen. I don't mean thieves stole her stuff. I mean the home was literally scammed away from her. The FBI calls this title home title theft, and it's one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes in the country right now. And this story is why you need to protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Criminals found Deborah's title online, and they filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it, and it gets even worse. Um, they ended up getting Deborah evicted from her home. She lost eighty-five grand in equity. Eighty-five grand gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily, but that's why you want to have home title lock because no insurance or bank protects you from home title theft. First things first, go to hometitlelock.com right now and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it yet. And then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home, the most valuable investment almost any American will make in their lifetimes, their own home so that you don't end up like Deborah. And to get you started, we've got you 60 risk-free days of protection right now at Home Title Lock. 60 risk-free days of protection if you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, HomeTitleLock.com. One more time, HomeTitleLock.com. One last thing on Theology Thursday before we uh, get to three non-political questions. You're up against progressivism. But it is not a political ideology. It is a religion. It is the rival religion vying for, it's the main rival religion vying for the affections of the American people with the Judeo-Christian or biblical worldview right now. It is the main one and there is no close second. And it has an ecclesiastical authority framework like the Judeo-Christian one does. Instead of synagogue or mass or church, they have the state. And instead of God, they have government. That's its ecclesiastical authority. It begins there. So just as, you know, at my church, one of like our mission statement is something along the lines of we do good works to build goodwill to share good news that's kind of the mission statement of our of the church that our family attends we do good works to build goodwill to share good news in other words we love because he first loved us like the scriptures say we love our neighbor as we love ourselves and we use that relationship to, to bolster the credibility of our testimony. Why, why are we like this? Why do we do things like this? Where, where do these notions, instincts, values come from? They come from our relationship with our Savior. And you can have the same relationship and have those same values at work in your life if you would like. They have an evangelism plan too. It's just called coercion. Everything they say and do just like if you are a church that practices some form of you, that, that is, is in the midst of your orthodoxy, everything you do, really, everything, and the way you do it is so that you can be used as a vessel, a vehicle to connect people with the, most, with, with the ultimate power source or what you think the ultimate power source is, God. So do they. It's just government's the ultimate power source. Everything is about that. 
That's why it's about power. Every, every policy, every talking point, it's always about power. It's all a will to power. It's what it all is. What did Ocasio-Cortez say to the billionaires a few days ago? We don't want your money. We want your power. She knows she's a true believer. She was reared in this, discipled in this. She is the she's the she's the leftist version of the homeschooled kid who learned all 66 books of the Bible before the alphabet, man. She gets it. She has been un, she's been unadulterated discipled in this. When she opens her mouth, the indoctrination comes out. The discipleship comes out. She's telling you the truth. This is all about power. So that's why we better have a theological answer on every one of these issues. Because that's what you're competing with, their God. You're competing with their God, folks. That's what you're competing with. And there ain't going to be a Cato Institute white paper or a Milton Friedman book that's going to argue people out of a religion. Now, those things might make people better at economics when they have the right religion, <laughs> all right? But it's not, a, it's not an evangelistic, these aren't apologetics on that level. You're dealing with the spirit of the age. That's what's driving this. My God reigns. And if you don't agree, you'll be made to care. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. That's right. Another break, I should say, from the decline and fall of Western civilization. It's three non-political questions on the Steve Day Show. Question number one. Steve and Todd have to answer. I'm putting them on the spot. They have to answer every single one of these questions. Question number one. What is on your Mount Rushmore oh. of best leftover food? <laughs> um, if you can come up with four. I'll come up with four I don't four care for what you. they are. Okay, Just come I'll, up with four. I'll come up with four for you. The Halloween candy. I haven't finished yet. That's not leftover the, food. The Christmas candy I haven't finished yet. That's not. <laughs> candy cane, candy corn. Yes. Yeah. The pumpkin spice stash that I have stored That's... away in the corner of the fridge from oh. the fall. Um, and Thanksgiving turkey or ham. That's my list. That's a terrible list. Todd? There's a lot of good leftover food. Uh, I don't do leftovers at my house, man. I know that's yeah, why I don't. left it. Yeah. That's why if you, I know I was explaining. know I know you know that I was explaining to yes, the audience. Yes. I I don't. No. And it's yeah. There's a, you, it's a creep factor for. Yeah, I mean, I, you are just like yeah. I don't don't like it. I don't want to open a dish. And how long has it been? No, nope, 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 nope. nope. We don't do that. There's great leftover food. Uh, put, like uh, potato casserole and like from the, which you often have during the holidays. You know, the second time. 
It's got that nice, like, it's like, it, it kind of goes into, like, twice-baked mode. Very nice. Um, this is going to really give me, really give me the creep. I know. This whole thing is. I know. Wow. That's, uh, this is where Aaron's at his best. This is, see, this is one where he, he felt sorry for me, so he elevated. I haven't been doing very well at the, the Mount Rushmore list. So, that, uh, let's see, um, uh, re, uh, like, reheated, uh, pie second day pie that's that is outstanding okay uh well i honestly this is true this and this is even it's this is a double whammy for steve green bean casserole green bean casserole yeah because he hates it fresh or or is a lot only worse than fresh green green bean casserole is the leftover variety yes Most of the best leftovers are the holiday foods leftovers. Yeah. So he's right about the turkey and the ham. And I'm trying to think of a non-holiday one that I that's just really my jam. Uh, I've got three. Can you, I'll keep thinking. Yeah, Can sure. We? I would say for me anyway, it's uh, brats. That's good warmed up. You know, if you cook Agreed. maybe a bunch of them, good warmed up again in the microwave. I can handle that. Uh, glazed ham. That's really good yeah. uh, warmed up again. Yeah. Uh, mashed potatoes and gravy is not quite the best, but it's still right there up on the list as well. And then the best thing warmed up, I would say, again, is chili. I love that. I, I, I judged oh, yeah. a chili contest here in town one year, and um, we had to make an emergency stop. That no was ten kidding. years ago, and I've not had any chili ever since. Yeah, I mean, oh come on, there were white chilies, orange chilies. I, I just you no, haven't had I'm chili not, because no. of that. And, and if I get if I get in the mood for like a coney because I love coney dogs, oh. I will literally go buy Hormel canned chili. Okay, and that's what we'll have. What, come on, this defy yeah. Hormel. Yeah, I can't. Can is your go to in the world of after this? after what that chili festival did and whatever you people were making with that chili, trying to poison me. No. This is what I meant yesterday. Are pages out of your dude code missing? This is unacceptable. Hormel <laughs> can chili is yep. the one chili? That's that's all. I'm I'm not taking any chances, man. Totally fresh, made right in front of you. No doubts about where that you, that's. Okay, if you did that, I would if, if if and I could watch it being served. All right. Then I would yes. But if like if if you brought it to my house, nope. Not happening. Why though? I gotta, know, I gotta know no. what's in there and what you put in there. I got, I got, I gotta know. I gotta know because those folks damn near wrecked me. Okay, I almost had to have a stomach pumping. Whatever was in those chilies that day. So no, that was ten years ago. I haven't forgotten. Canned chili is uh, at least for me a one way, one way ticket to the bathroom. Uh, question number two: What do you believe, other than sports betting, is going to be the next boom market? <sighs> You want to take this one first? No, because I don't have a good answer for it. Uh, the next boom market other than sports betting. Hmm. What, uh, I think we're kind of... Eh, it's not going to be a boom. Listen. I, once, once the college bubble bursts... You mean like tech schools, trade schools, yeah, tech things schools, like that trade things schools, of that things of that nature, and there, but uh, by and then by extension, I don't see it. Here's why I don't see that happen. You should be right, but his generation has has been so fed that that work and everything is is largely beneath them. 
No, I know. And everything else that uh, they haven't grown up in an era where many of their parents did that to put food on the table. Like I'm not mechanically inclined at all, but I grew up in a home where, you know, uh, Dave was a mechanic, construction driver, uh, build, built, uh, you know, boats and yachts for AMF. So if like, if I, if, 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 if I had to, as an adult, learn a trade or a skill like that, it's, I just don't know how to do it. It's not stigmatized to me. I just don't know how to, you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't feel like I can't learn that stuff that would make me, you know, but that the generation behind us, they, they have very little regard for that kind of stuff unless they were specifically reared into it. But holistically they're going back to that. I mean, that's why they want wealth distribution redistribution so that they they don't have if I don't to get my dream job exactly yeah. then you pay that that yeah I, I don't i don't switch careers you just pay for me that's why they want that yeah i don't see them going back to that man no way it's which pretty- is why if i can be really honest if, if this gig comes to an end someday if and when it happens I'm strongly considering becoming like an electrician or a plumber Dude, the, that, well, because the I'm amount of money in there make bank. That's why Walmart is telling you you make seventy five thousand dollars a year driving truck for them right now. Yep. Seventy five large, dude. I know seventy five large. You know how many podcasts you can listen to out on the open? Yeah, yeah. How much Ravi Zacharias you can, get, you can See, listen to out on the open road? And that's with, with your I mean, with your with your CDL or whatever for, license you need to drive that thing for years. For years, my midlife crisis dream job actually, if I have a if I have a midlife crisis someday, driving a truck, an eighteen wheeler. Yeah, seventy five large. That's a pretty good. Li- I mean, I worked years in the, in this industry to make to hosting my own show. Which had good ratings to get to that, and and Walmart's just out there adverts. So that goes right to what he's talking about. Yeah, that's why I don't think there'll be boom industries. I don't think his generation is willing to get their hands dirty to that level. It might also come in some level of um, robotics. That yeah. robotics, I think, is a great one. I'll, I'll piggyback off of that. I, I I will go with robotics. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It arriving at some level of automation that just totally transforms i mean you see every once in a while you see these videos and some of them are actually turned out to be spoof videos but the the, they've created a dog-like robot and a humanoid-like robot that can do a lot of stuff i'll take it i'll 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 come over the top rope sex robots that's the next boom industry that's sex droids but that's probably true I think for me, it's going to be Icelandic real estate. Question number three. <laughs> if you're forced to move, <laughs> oh, everybody's going to be moving to Iceland. Um, uh, question number three. If you were forced to move to one of these four countries, which one would you choose and why? Okay. Thailand, Bosnia, Bolivia, or Mauritania? I don't even know what Mauritania is. What is it? I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's oh, a ran- random que- uh, uh, country. Like in- Mauritania? Yeah, Mauritania. Okay, I thought you said Mauritania. Yeah. All right, Mauritania, I yeah. have heard of. Uh, Western. So so, yeah. so they are, again, one more time. Thailand, Bosnia, Bolivia, and Mauritania. Yeah, that Mauritania is that island chain out in the middle of the yes. Pacific, right? Yeah, I think that's what you're thinking of. Isn't it? Or are you thinking no, of Madagascar? Is that what no, you're thinking no, of? No, not, that's, that's, no, this is in uh, Western Africa, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Western Africa, Western Sahara. No, I wasn't Africa. thinking of Madagascar. I was thinking like a, again. Oh, you were a, thinking of the Mold- Maldives. The yes, Maldives. That's yeah. what, yes, that's what I'm thinking. The Maldives. I can't, I would not want to live in any of those places. But if exactly. You, but, but, no, shocked. But shocked. <laughs> if you made me choose one, I would choose Thailand. Hmm. And the reason why is um, to become, because I have to give you a reason why, right? Mm-hmm. So I would choose Thailand. 
And the reason why is it would give me an opportunity to become a, an a, 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 a anti-pedophile vigilante. Hey, that's a good reason. That, that's why. An avenging I, angel for all I, the creeps that go to that country year round every year to get their uh, uh, to get their fourth ring of hell on. And so I, I would just take it upon myself to be the avenging angel. That's a, to bring them some uh, some some different kind of hell. That's strong. You like that? Yeah, I thought you were gonna bottom out on that answer too, but no, that was that was strong. I, was I, I almost did. <laughs> so, so your fears were well I placed. I almost played the type. I was almost the ugly for, American. For a good for a good solid forty five seconds, my brain thought we are so screwed but with this. Then we you have no donned answer. the cap and the cowl, yes. and you did yes. what must be done. What yes. was the second country, Aaron? Let's see, Bolivia, no, Bos- Bosnia. Third. Bosnia. Hmm. It would either be Bosnia or Bolivia, I think. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Bolivia. Uh, when our when our when our contract comes up next year, and we're discussing whether or not for this show to be renewed, I'm just going to tell them, hey, if you guys have any doubts, it's going to be this two minutes here. Would we rather live in Bosnia? Bolivia or mm-hmm. Thailand. I'm just going to grab riveting. I'm just going to grab this snippet, send it right over to Tyler and Gaston and say, "Dude, pay me." Because this just speaks for itself. The brilliance of this I entire so. conversation. I think so. Indeed. I think Bolivia wins for me on uh on two fronts. Uh, str- probably the strongest Catholic country and soccer. Interesting. I think I'd go with Bosnia. I think it's the closest to a western style country on this list. Uh, for sure. And uh, I mean, I know Bolivia is technically, but I think it's the closest to like actually the West that you could probably come. Uh, but still not, not exactly, not exactly in love with any of these uh, whatsoever. Is that one of those Eastern European countries is like the mail order brides and stuff like that? I think so. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. <laughs> I thought we were talking about avenging that like two seconds ago. Oh, I I meant that. I meant that ironically, sarcastically. All right, okay. We can't ever tell. It's the same tone of voice either way. It's the same monotone, tone of voice. So we're not not sure. We often look at each other over here on the other side of the room. We're like, was that legit or we're not sure? That's why we're we're asking you for clarity all the time. It's the same tone of voice either way. Do I make you uncomfortable? Sometimes ever since you pulled the old lady, my son died. Can I hug you story? Yeah, I totally bought that one too. I mean, I was absolutely sucked in with that. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's going to do it for today. We're going to talk about Trump's speech to the March for life tomorrow in the overtime right here on blaze TV, blaze tv.com slash day. So you can watch subscribe to watch. If you're not yet a subscriber for the rest of you, we will be back again tomorrow. Noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.